Welcome guys to Trapping Radio. This is Clint Locklear and I'm with Albert Simpson. Uh, he came down delivering, uh, he's like my dealer of meat. So uh, before we get started in today's show, Albert's going to tell us all of his secrets of how he catches more bobcats than I do. So I want to talk about the sponsors before we get into that. Uh, we have F&T Fur Harvesters, everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Most of y'all know who they are for good reason. If uh, you need something, they probably have it, and they're honest people to deal with. And we have Funky Trap Tags and Supplies. Same thing about anything you'd want. They'll have it. Great people to deal with. Honest people. And um, you can get pretty much anything from there, including a lot of stuff for deer, turkey, hogs, and bear. Then we have Okie Cable and Trap out of Oklahoma. Jeb is just one of them good old guys that's fun to deal with. He's got a full trapping supply line. He's got meat, gland, some year he's a fur buyer. But if you're looking for something odd, I guarantee you he can find it. So it's someone that you need to put in your Rolodex or your phone if you're looking for something. Okie Cable and Trap, another good company to deal with. And then we have Dunlap Lures. Jeff's a good friend of mine. You use any Jeff stuff? Albert, huh? do you use any Jeff stuff? I've got some. I use it off the norm. Okay. But I switch around a lot. Jeff is, uh, he, he's, he makes good lure, and he's, he wants to always have a high-quality product, which he does. And um, you didn't know this, but we're trying to get a show up with him in Haggerty. He's supposed to be up there this weekend for a guy wanting to ask a bunch of bobcat questions. I mean, not bobcat, but muskrat questions, and I'm not the dude for that. So hopefully Jeff and, and Haggerty will be able to do that maybe tomorrow night or Monday or something like that. And Jeff's also the guy that we're putting on a school this year, guys. We put one on last year. You can uh, ask around guys that went there. They'll tell you that uh, they were pretty happy with what they got. They ate well. They had nice place to sleep. We sit around joking a lot around the fire at night. But during school, we got pretty serious about catching predators. And you can find all that information at wolfernation.com under the schools. And you can see what it costs. And, and for what you get, for me and Jeff both, I think it's a pretty good deal. Okay, man. I want to know all of your secrets. Well, I'll start with, I started to uh, Clint's trapping school in Texas. And he, uh, I wanted to be a better coyote trapper for what I was after. And I want to be better than average foot, with footholds. <laughs> and uh, somehow I didn't work out. <laughs> I spent two, a week down there with him. I stayed two weeks and trapped the stuff. But the next year I, I told him I was interested in coming down and trapping whatever I caught he wanted to take. So I went down there. And, well, you know I'm going to take free labor and free fur now. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> And, uh, you don't have to look at the recorder, brother. Just look at him and forget that's on. Him and uh, Norm was doing the students. That left me free, and, and he put me on the fence. I literally hated the fence. I could care less about bobcats. I'm from Pennsylvania. We're not one bobcat per season per state. I could care less. But when I got on that fence, I got set snares. And I got to check them day in and day out. I got to see what the other people were bringing in, and I was a smoking them. Coyotes, everything. So uh, I got after the, the bobcats, and I learned a few little tricks. And I just kept, and I got to see what I was catching, not somebody else. I didn't go look with Clint's or something. Mm -hmm. The only time I had to go do that's when 
He knew when I set the fence up about four days, when it really starts clicking, mm -hmm. you would switch me out. You go and check that fence, I'm gonna go check yours. And I just got it set up. Mm -hmm. You was getting the cream. <laughs> I mean, every, every, I don't remember that, but. You know? yeah, you, you took him around and you, you'd tell him that, but it, it seemed oh, like. Was I taking students? Is you that took what I was doing? You had two students and you'd take them around to the, like over there on the Capones. I set that up over there, the backside of the bottom end, across there. I just got that set up and it started picking up. And you told me to go to Hill, check something over there, the fence over there, and you went. Now, well, let's, now let's be clear about what happened. You, you came to me in, in all of your aggressive nature, which you do not have any in you apparently, and you said, I want to stay in trap. Yeah, that was the first year at school. Yeah, and I, re and I remember my brain going, uh, I mean, I knew you and I liked you, but at the same time, you're, it, it's like being a share of the, the catch. And we were down there to make money. And, and I remember going, I don't know. And you looked at me dead in the eye and said, you can keep everything. I just want a trap. And I didn't know what to say, so I just said, go to work. And by God, you did. Now, what's interesting about that, which I think is a really cool thing for people to understand, you basically worked for free that year. Right. And then it was different after that. Yeah. But what you did is you worked yourself into a job because you busted your butt. You wasn't expecting anything. You were willing to prove yourself. And now, as I sat in my house, looking at you across the recorder, you, and I want everybody to understand this, you now have caught way more bobcats than I have, ever. You do it every year now. And I think that's super cool. You don't know how proud I am of you, Albert, when you call me up and you tell me that you kicked my ass <laughs> on numbers. Because <clears throat> you were from a state that didn't really trap them, you didn't have that much experience with them, and you clean house when you go down there now. Yeah. So, like, if people think that I'm the Bobcat guy, actually who you're listening to now, the audience, is Albert Simpson is the Bobcat guy because he catches more than I do or when I was going down there. So what did y'all catch a couple of years ago? Our best catch? Mm-hmm. Uh, we did three ranches. 30 days each. We just went from one ranch to the next. We pull everything and just move to the next one. And when I get there, I cannot wait to get on that line. First thing I do is unload enough stuff, get my four-wheeler and trailer and snares and hit the line. I'll be back at dark. And that ain't no joke. And uh, I got a good helper, Daryl Swart from Virginia. He's, he goes with me. We did three ranches, two, uh, 342 Coyotes, 239 bobcats, and we sold 236, uh, 33 of them. We had six bad ones. Now, not putting Daryl down because he is a heck of a trapper and a worker. Yes. I know he's coyote focused. Yes. So out of the 239, how many cats did you catch out of that, do you think, in roundabout numbers? Uh, I'm going to say... Probably 75% of them. So what is that? 
since we're both math wizards, apparently, let me pull yeah. up my phone. And this isn't going to be perfect. Would you say it was, you said 230? 230. 233. We 239 was the total, but we got 233 good ones. Okay, so well, you got to count the other ones. 239 times 75 percent. 179. So you have out caught me by a pretty good number there. Yeah. Personally. I think in all reality, and, so, and somebody can because we don't all know who's out there trapping and what numbers people do. Right. But of, of people that I know, and I know a bunch of people that cat trap, I would say the only person that's caught more cats than you that I know of is Slim Peterson. And he did 225, mm -hmm. which was always my goal. I wanted yeah. to beat Slim, not to beat Slim like the, because it was a number that was out there yeah. that I wanted to, and I never came as close as you did. Oh yeah. Five years we've been down there on I. We we just went over a hundred or went over a thousand bobcats in five years. Yes, that is insane. Yes, and we just got new ranches. Some of them had never been trapped, and I mean they was loaded, mm -hmm. full of coyotes, full of cats. And, and I'm up and going. I got a little light hat that you use for like calling stuff. I got a little light on there. We shine around. I just wear that on my four-wheeler. Down the road I go. I'm up there way before daylight checking snares. Well, see, one thing that that I think people should know, people talk about trapping hard, trapping long, yeah. you know, long line and all that type of stuff. You probably don't know this, but I watched you that first year you were down there. Because you, you went to another school before that one. Yeah, one you were advanced school. trapping school. Was that the one that was in Ohio? Yes. And so, I mean, besides at conventions and the schools, I really didn't know you like, like I do now. And so, and a lot of people would say, I want to stay in this trap. And I've never said yes to anybody, but there was something about you. I'm like, I want to see how this goes. And I watched you and for guys that want to catch numbers like Albert catches, when he says he was gone before dark, he was checking traps before dark. And we would come back for lunch and we would never see you. And then you would show up somewhere around dusk or a little bit after dark. And you're doing that and you weren't getting to keep anything. You were just doing it for the love of doing it. All right. And then it, we kind of, you weren't just running the fence though that first couple of years because me and you would see some same locations, and after a while, we're trying to beat each other to put footholds in those same locations. That's because you weren't there. <laughs> you weren't there that year, and I found all them secret spots you had hid. What did you find, old sad look looking places, or just locations? No, just locations. So all I remember is I'd be pulling up, and I'd look over. I'd be getting, you know, my brain's already in. Okay, I put my trap on the right hand side. I'm having my flag here. And I look over and there's this big looking possum creature called Albert Simpson grinning at me on his knees, finishing putting in a set. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> well, every time I went by one of your sets, I stopped and I looked. I just didn't sit there and look. I got off, I went over down the road a ways and looked back. I went the other way and looked back. 
I backed up from where I was at. I looked back and said, what's he see here? Mm -hmm. and what, what, what stuck out in you? What did you think that I was seeing? Well, a lot of it was the intersections. Mm -hmm. was, was the key thing and, and the thick. There was, seemed like it was more thick right there where you were sitting. That's what I was keying off of more than anything. And a lot of the like dried up creek beds, I call them, they're just ravines. There was some of them that really stuck out. Mm -hmm. And I've been passing them up. So before that, what were you looking for for cats? I was just guessing at it, shooting from the hip, because I didn't have, other than snaring, I didn't have nothing. Mm. And then I put them big flags up for them foot hole traps we set in for cats. Well, so I could have stayed the cat man if I had just like made a bunch of crappy sets and stuck them everywhere and confused you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I screwed that up, didn't I? Mm hmm That's a big lesson to you. Well, see, I didn't know that you were doing it that way. I mean, I didn't know that you were, were studying those locations that way. Yeah. Well, I take that back. Um, what was the student's name? He had the, the insulin problem. A real skinny guy. He came with a friend of his. He's from Texas. Um, I can see him clear as day because he pulled out Moscow out one night and it wasn't good for most of us. And he, uh, man, I'll think of it here in a minute. He caught 170 cats the year after he took the school. And you know what he was doing different? <laughs> Besides he had way too much energy for any human being I've ever seen is like I'm not sure if you just copied what I was doing or what you were doing but you know my sets are always 18 20 inches back mm -hmm. he saw that some cats were stopping before that so he built that set out to four or five feet wow and he in that next year I think he went from 30 or 40 cats to I think it was 160 mm-hmm so actually, there's two students of mine that's caught more cats than me. But he had a, a, a battery reserve that was ungodly. I mean, he just, he was like a ferret. He just had to move all the time. So. Another thing, the cats seemed like the ranches we was picking. Two of them hadn't been ever been prepped for a long time, hard. And when we moved in, I mean, cats come easy, especially off the fence. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you just can't compare the fence to foot trapping. No. No, and I was telling, you know, Carl, he, he started doing some high fence jobs. I think it's either Arkansas, Mississippi, or Tennessee. I'm not sure. And he called me up, and he was asking about the fence. And I'm like, dude, if you can stick a baseball through it, you need to have a snare in it. And he, he questioned me pretty hard because, you know, he wasn't being rude or anything because that's not Carl, but mm -hmm. that just didn't make sense to him. And he started setting him little holes up that I guarantee you most people to get in that situation pass up. Yeah. And he was catching coyotes in holes. He couldn't figure out how they were fitting through there and cats where he couldn't figure out where they were getting through yeah. there. I've caught, uh, I'm setting them corner bears in 280s and, and 220s. I've caught coyotes in 220s. You wouldn't think to get their head in there, but. They're there when you get there. Mm -hmm. So are you using mostly 220s and 280s now, or are you mixing? I take lots of them, and if a 
two eighty don't fit out, it goes before the snare. And when so when do you start grabbing the two twenties? Whenever I find a smaller one, a smaller hole, it'll go in easy. Have you ever tried the one sixties? I never no, did. No, I've never tried anything other than them two. I've never tried a three thirty. But them, them corner bears are awesome. You just kill them. Now, we we have to have a lawyer session here, real quick. All right. Most people in the country, if you're listening to this, because I think I'm gonna do some clickbait on this show. Thousand cats in five years probably gonna be the title of it, just because that's as sexy as you can get. People, especially if you're new. You need to understand what your laws are before you mimic what Albert's doing, mm-hmm. because it, it some places, even I think for coyotes, and I could be wrong, but you can't set uh, coon snares in fences in Iowa, at least not when I trap there. And I bet if you can't set a coon snare, you can't set a coyote snare, because I wouldn't coyote trap it in Iowa. Yeah. But so in a lot of places, you like here in Tennessee, I think the biggest thing we can put on dry land is a 110 for mink. So we couldn't do that here. Mm-hmm. Mississippi you could, Louisiana you can, Texas you can. Uh, some of the western states I don't know. But I don't think of any northeastern states that you could do that. Yeah, a lot of them you can't even sit corner bears on land. Yeah, so the reason I'm saying that, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this, don't just listen to what we're saying because he can do it in a certain state. Check your laws so you don't get in trouble. And I'm behind lock and gates, too. Yeah, and there's no dogs or cats no. down there. There's no pets. Yeah. Never caught a pet, never seen a pet down there. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going's woolly. That's what most people don't understand yeah. is how, like last night you were joking that apparently we had to pump sunshine into where I live. Yeah. But they got to pump it through a truck to get it down there. Right. I mean, it's nowhere. Mesquite, cactus, thorns, rattlesnakes, and scorpions. Have you been down there when the tarantulas come out yet? No. Oh, that's freaky, dude. I've never seen any. Hmm. But I've seen icicles on cactus down there. So, you started wanting to be a a coyote trapper. And from what I can tell, and if someone's out there that's caught more, uh, if I knew your name, whoever it was, man or woman, I would say who it is. But I really think you're probably the highest number of cat trapper that's alive right now. Yeah. And you did, and you went down there to catch coyotes. Right. Now, do you think that part of the reason you, you leaned more towards the cats and the snares is because Daryl loves setting footholds? Yeah. That just works for y'all. Yeah. Because with, with me and Scott, it was that way. He ran the fence and I ran the footholds. Mm-hmm. And then with me and Norm, it was about split. Yeah. yeah they, like some of them ranches, they, they got uh, short fences in there because they got cattle. And you just run out of a short fence and you're going to the next one. Daryl would follow behind me to the next fence. He's setting footholds. Once he knows which my travel way all the way around that ranch, where there's a way in the fence, and I'm going with nothing to look at till I get to them, he's putting footholds for me to check going. And they do produce. Was catching bobcats and coyotes in them. That's pretty smart. Yeah, and we also set them along the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, on the opposite side, you see where the coyotes running both sides of that lane, and they're just traveling 
They're going from A to B. They ain't going through the fence. They're just using it for a driveway. And we start setting footholds there, and we're picking up a lot of coyotes and a lot of cats. Well, if it wasn't for the deer, like I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, you've got that high fence, and then you have grass and brush and cactus. Yeah. And there's a trail that touches the fence going with it. Yeah, parallel with it. And it's where, and I've always wanted to set that for, with the snares, but I was afraid of the deer because they were so expensive. Right. Yeah. I know you pick up a lot of coyotes and cats just running that trail, but mm -hmm. with the deer situation, I won't chance it. Yeah, I won't either. <laughs> so, See, just so everybody knows, with my lure business, I don't go to Texas anymore. You kind of took over the ranches. And I thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I mean, anybody that wants to work for free and work that hard, you deserve it, man. I mean, I, I knew you was going to take care of it. If I ever got to go back down there, I know you'd... Yeah. Of course, now you'd be the boss and I'd be the helper. Well, the ranch we started on, the one you give me, that was your ranch for us, Oscar. It's not my ranch, this is Clint's. If he ever comes back and he wants it, it's there. If he wants to stay two weeks and trap, if he wants to tell me, get on down the road, I'm going to take this over, and i got someone <laughs> else to help me, good luck. Yeah, well, I can tell you if that. If I'm going to Texas somewhere, then I'm going to find me another one. And we found some good ones. We found some that don't pay, but they were loaded with fur. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that, you know, but the... I mean, people are going to hear this, and they're going to go, I want to go to Texas. Yeah. Now, do you mind me talking about your situation now with the ranches? No. Lambendera is, well, like, if you go to my YouTube channel, and Seven Seas is one, um, I think me and Norm were the first ones to go to Seven Seas. Were you with us the first year? No, you guys went there, and I went to Lambendera okay. myself. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's the reason I wasn't there for some reason. Yes. Okay. You need to go more often other ranches. Yeah. So I can find them good sets while you're going. <laughs> so Lambendera got sold. Yes. And you're no longer, the new people don't care about the, the, the predators. No. I don't think they got, they're running the deer ranches or deer ranch. I think they're trying to sell it. Okay. So they're not doing the breeding or anything? No. Man, that's a, we're talking about a waste of genes going there. Okay. And then you're still at the Seven Seas. Yeah. And then a couple other small ranches that was around La Madera. Yeah. Um, you picked up. Mm-hmm. But what's happened, and it, it's, it's nothing that you or Daryl have done. It's just the way life is. Nothing ever lasts forever. Right. And now you're in kind of a rebuilding mode to find the ranches, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to talk to the right people. It's hard to convince them. For some reason, the ranches don't talk to each other. No. They don't really help you, and it, it's frustrating. Yes. Because when I first went down there, I think it's easier for the smaller guys that aren't like big corporate fronts for basically launder money through hunting, mm -hmm. you know, for partners. The smaller ranches, it was easier for those guys to talk to each other and get on there. But those ranches were like 2,500 acres. Yeah. Which I didn't mind because if you could get four or five, it's a full day. 
and actually you could probably catch more just for the simple fact just of the driving time mm -hmm. because you're in new territories the whole time. And January is not a good time to go down there and try to trap because it's deer hunting. You get on a ranch and there's deer hunters and you're trying to run around there with a four-wheeler, you're just asking for trouble. I've been there done that. And the quail can be a problem. Yes. Because that whatever that season is seems to be as long as they want it to be. Yeah. But the biggest thing, I mean, we never had much trouble with quail hunters, but deer hunting and trying to check uh, footholds and fence lines in the middle of their trapping or hunting season, it don't work. Well, it's a, it's a, to me, I've never understood that because all the deer are trained to go to the feeders. It's not like you're going to disturb yeah. anything. And the end result is the more coyotes we take out of there and went right before breeding season, they told it, one outfit told us, we ain't never seen so many fawns because you guys come in here and took all them coyotes out. Mm -hmm. Said, we've got a deer, we've got twins and triplets. We've never seen that. There was no coyotes to kill them. And isn't it strange, though, that they don't talk to other ranchers? Yeah. You would think with that type of result that you yeah. would have more ranches that you could ever do. And you think, another thing I thought, them deer hunters, they see firsthand what's happening. They're down there, they don't have near the deer population. We come in and we kill a bunch of coyotes. The, the fawns are out of sight. You think they would go to that owner and say, let's fork out something with them guys and us. Mm -hmm. But they don't. And they get all they see is kill them deer. Well, there's just weird things. Um, I had a guy that almost fired me because within 24 hours, I only caught 14 coyotes the first morning. I've had um, a guy's brother that was jealous that he actually controlled the ranch, looked in my freezer, and that was the third ranch I went to. So he told the mom that I was killing all these bobcats on their ranch. And if the bobcat was alive on their ranch, I turned it loose. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the deal. Yeah. But mom got involved. I lost that ranch. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the way it is down yeah. there. You just about got to know somebody to get on a ranch. Mm -hmm. If you get on one with no help, you're just lucky. I mean, that's like if people know people in Texas, yeah. that's who I'd start talking yeah. to. Who do they know? Because that's, I mean, without someone, you know, like, I don't know the right term, but like verifying that you're okay, mm -hmm. they don't trust you. No. And when I've talked to several of those ranches before, before I got to know them, they've had trappers down there. Yeah. And they shoot deer, they steal horns, yeah. they do all kind of crazy stuff, they trash the place up, they leave gates open, they rut the roads up when they know they shouldn't be on them when mm -hmm. it, after it's rained. And that reputation has been going on probably since the last fur boom back mm -hmm. in the you know, yeah. 80s. Yeah. And we're still feeling the repercussions of people that weren't doing the right thing. I think that has a lot to do with mm -hmm. it. And some of the ranches we were on, we'd ask them about tra trapping before. And one of the biggest reasons they didn't just keep them, they won't run the fence. They won't set foot up. They don't want to deal with what they call trash. Mm. They want the coyotes and the cats, they, they don't want to deal with coon, badgers, wild boar, armadillos. Want somebody to get a porcupine? They absolutely do not want to run the fence. Well, that's just, that'd be just the arrogance. 
Yeah, you go ahead and set your foot out. You let me have that fence. I'll show you what to do with it. <laughs> so what's, what are your snares like on the fence, Albert? We make, uh, we make our own snares. Uh, they're short. They're not long like we used to make them. But we do that because of the barbed wire on the other side. We don't have to deal with getting it all tangled up. And uh, we're down to about no more than a seven inch loop. Most of them, that's about all we set. Mm -hmm. I even just started making my snares because that's as far as they'll open. Just to make sure I keep that small loop. Because so, them cats will go through it. Mm -hmm. And them corner bears, it's hard to sneak through a corner bear, a cat. Well, I remember that one year, the first year that, no, it was the second year, as at Seven Seas, and it rained like for two days straight. And I called down there, and because it was the, it could have been the first year, I don't remember, but they just let me run that pin that's in there. Mm -hmm. It was a test run to see if I could actually catch anything. And in about three days, they figured out that I could catch something. Mm -hmm. But that year, the cats were bringing anywhere from 100 to $250. Cat prices were high. And I remember looking at a six inch snare, because that's about what I was running under that pen. And I had five cats walk through those snares and not fire them. I mm -hmm. could see the tracks in the mud. Yeah. And I, so that right there at a minimum, I lost 500 to $700 that day. Mm -hmm. And it, it, just, it just crushed me. And I could not, my brain couldn't fathom how a cat could go through that. Mm -hmm. But they, they did, and so that made me wonder, okay, I'm, I, so if we're catching 100 cats, are we missing 100 cats? Yeah. And okay. the bear showed us that we were missing a lot of cats. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, down there, it ain't nothing to come in with, the most I've ever caught 10 cats one day and go back the next day and come in with 10 more. Same way with coyotes. 10 coyotes down there, a lot of them coming off the fence, that's just normal. Mm-hmm. It does cycle though, at least it seemed like it did to me. High yeah. catch, low catch, high catch, low catch, in the fence. Mm -hmm. uh, first year, they're all down there with me. Uh, we caught, uh, the, on that ranch, we caught 96 cats. Went back the next year, caught 100. Went back the next year, 111. We're just creating a big void for them to move in. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was at Lamondera? No, the other one. Seven Cs. That's what thirty thousand or fifty thousand. Thirty plus the four thousand penny inside. So thirty thousand. So what people that like someone that lives in Pennsylvania, they're going to hard time grasping thirty thousand. Yeah. And to run that fence. Well, Lamadera was twenty thousand. Yeah. And on the speedometer on the four wheeler, it said seventy seven miles. Around the fence. Around the fence. So I guess that's going to put you close to 100 miles. Yeah. Um, 30,000. So that's 100 miles on a four-wheeler a day. Mm -hmm. So think about running a smart. If someone would picture where they live and 100 miles away, what that is, mm -hmm. that's what you're doing every day on a four-wheeler. Yeah. And it's all high fence. The perimeter fence is all high fence. That's what freaked me out when Scott told me it was 77 miles. I was mm -hmm. like, good Lord. Because I'm, I'm, 
I used to have to help him get off the four-wheeler at the end of the day. He's a strong man. Yeah. His body just got beat to death. Next morning, he was raring to go again. Mm-hmm. Well, there's been many mornings or many evenings when I got in, I wish somebody had been there to help me off that four-wheeler. <laughs> now, how old are you, Albert? 68. 68. Kicking my ass. I learned from the best. Well, I guess that's what a teacher is supposed to do, is get people yeah. to be better than they are. So you I did your job. Way. I did my job, at least twice that I know of. Yeah. I've had several students, and I'm not bragging, but it's the quality of students that we have mm-hmm. that have done very well. Yeah. And I give Darrell credit. He can set stairs and he can set footholds. But he loves the footholds like I love the fence. If I could figure a way out for him to set them footholds in them crawl unders, well, I've never figured out a very good way to do that. <laughs> Maybe he'll figure it out. Because he's good about coming in with shoot, like getting out of the box. He's been out three boxes, and now he's, he finally come up with something. He don't stay in the box long. Because he's going to come up with something. Well, he's always thinking. That's oh, yeah. clear. Yeah, every seems like every year he's got some little thing to come down to help. And he brings lots of them. We make our own snares. He makes lots of them. I don't even have to make it. I can use his. So I'm going to say something that could be sounding aggressive, but I want to do it on purpose anyway. You're 68. Uh-huh. Daryl's in his 70s. 76. 76. So if you're a 20 or 30 or 40-year-old trapper and you're getting tired at the end of the day, I want you to realize there's a 68 and a 76-year-old trapper kicking the shit out of you every day. That should be motivation for people. Yeah. There's no excuse. And we did that there for a while. We was doing 90 days. We'd go down there and we just one ranch to the next day after day after day. Doesn't that turn into Groundhog Day? No. <laughs> you don't think it did? No. Oh, man. After about 90 days down there, I mean, it was, that's what it felt like to me. If we'd had another one, we'd have stayed. So when you're you're when you're looking now having a partner, how many years have y'all been together? Five. No, I think about six. For someone that's looking for a partner to do stuff, what have you learned having a partner now for five years? What would you say is stuff someone needs to look for? Well, he's he's a hard worker. He don't know when to stop. And uh, if he needs help, he'll tell you. But if he don't, he don't want no help. He, you know, he takes care of it. Like he wants to do the skinning. I said, what do you want me to do? Darryl, let me help. No, you go set traps. You go catch more. Yeah. He just does it all. I mean, he's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Not a hard talker. No, hard he don't worker. talk. No, he don't have much to say. But, but he does come up with some excellent ideas. I've learned a lot off of him. Yeah, he is a good teacher. Well, the way he's doing the snare supports, that's pretty creative. Yeah, I wasn't supposed to show that. I won't, we won't <laughs> say anything about it, but it's pretty creative. Yeah. I mean, I was in the back of your truck, there's no way I wasn't going to see it. Yeah. He come up with that on his own, so. But there's a lot of things he comes up with, good thing. He come up with the way he does his own skinny, brings his own skinny machine, and he's got a little table that he's got there that he puts there, and that's where he starts from. He, if it's a cat or a coyote, if he's taking a glance out of a coyote, 
He lays it down on there, that little trough fits better. He's got the hooks to hang and pull the feet apart and, and, and start them. He starts them cats on the back legs and he gets the clear on off the hips and then he puts them up on the puller and pulls them. Let's get him a shot. So he thinks through every single step how to make it better and easier yeah. and more efficient. And that little table he's got, you can put anything on the table. We put skunk, skunk on there, take the skunk bag out of it. We, we save the skunk essence in the bag. Take badger glands out, cats, he, the coyotes, he lays him up there and he cuts all that stuff out. It's, it's slick. You don't have to fight it, hold the legs open and all that mm -hmm. stuff. You don't have to fight it. And he come up with that. So. I remember the first year. The first year I used Muskeen, it was at Reds, and I've never used one, so I never dressed a raccoon out on its back to get it started the way I had yeah. to do on that machine. And I was like a monkey screwing a football. I mean, it was ugly for a long time before I figured that out. Mm -hmm. And and if I could have had somebody to hold those legs open, they would have been a big difference. Mm -hmm. So he does all the fur. Yep. Even though you try to help, because we used to do all the fur yeah. together. Yeah, that was that's that was the trapping I enjoyed. But coming in in the evening, we all like you know get a beer and talk about what happened during the day and what illegals we saw or snakes or whatever. It was more like a, it was work, but it was more like a, social. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we always had some kind of war story to tell. Mm-hmm. Some of them was good, some of them didn't end too good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't say nothing bad about Darrell. He's, he's a good worker. He's the best part of a man could ask for. Did you know that when y'all started, or was you just hoping? Uh, I met him at your last school. We bumped together. Does he still have to wear the face mask thing for the dust? Well, if there's dust, he'll wear it, but I think right, not right now we don't. Other than if it's cold, damp out, we wear it so we don't get in the mud. That's, we went down that road and they said, because we had them, didn't have no mask on, we're out in a cold air, so the damage were wrong. Because so. I remember he was, he would get in the back of the Jeep and I yeah. had the doors off and it, I thought it was going to kill him. Well, he probably, if he was got back over the dust, but he probably still needed today. Well, that's good. He doesn't have to wear that. Yeah. yeah Daryl does all the cooking. He bakes. He'll get up and fix a big salad for supper, bake cakes and cookies. He does all the grocery shopping. What more could a man want? He just wants you to go catch more fur while he takes care of certain yeah. things and he go catches more fur. He wants me to catch the cats. He don't care how many cats I catch. But I gotta leave them coyotes away from where he's got his traps. I can't set no snares close to him because I'm gonna catch them coyotes too. And he wants to creep. I get to creep <laughs> off the coyotes and the cats. Daryl ain't a happy capper. <laughs> he is competitive, which is good. Yeah, and he got some. He's got some good lures and baits of his own. We, Does he still do that? Like he's he, when he first gets there, the way they used to do in the competition, have the, like the jaws zip tied open and all that stuff preset. Does he still do all that? Yeah, when he first pulls in, all his triggers are tied down. And when you're trying to set as many traps he is, there's an advantage to it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I was tripping out when he when he pulled his first traps out. I've never yeah. seen nothing like that in my yeah. life. Yeah. Is he staking or dragging? Staking. Staking. He just never went to the drags. Well, we'll, uh, we'll take drags and just certain places he'll use them, and I'll use them. Mm -hmm. But mainly he he stakes, but I use extension cables and drags. I hate pulling traps down there and stakes out them that ground. And he made he made his own stake puller to pull, and it's good. He ain't gonna leave no money in the ground, is he? No. No, he don't. He will, he welds all them S hooks up, cause he ain't gonna stretch none of them out in that stretcher he's got. That puller when he pulls in, if they ain't welded, he probably stretch some of them out. Mm -hmm. So, any other thing that you can think of if someone's looking at a partner that they should think about? Well, there's a learning curve to getting used to each other and fully understand what's going on. You know, your place and everything. But he pulls his fair share. I ain't got no complaint with him. Is there, well, like to me, what I've learned with partners, you need to find somebody that y'all can be competitive without yeah. being jealous. Yeah. So there's no hard feelings. Yeah. We make fun of each other. Which is important. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a joke the other day, the difference between men and women, men make fun of each other and bust each other's balls and it's for fun. Mm -hmm. When women do it, it's not for fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And Daryl's pretty good about picking locations for them coyotes. I'll bet he is. Yeah. Because I've had to go behind him when he, after he sets the trap, I'm running my snares, and he sets them footholds, and I go by. I look at that thing, well, I wouldn't set the trap there. I'm not right there. Stick around there, it's going to be two or three cards come out. That's it. He does have that down. Well, that's all he thinks about, Scott. Yeah. Which is good. Um, that's the thing. I mean, I've been with partners. I went with Ed one time down to Mississippi and they wanted us to catch coyotes. Otter was bringing like $150, $200 a piece. Mm -hmm. He knew I was better at Otter. We were both about the same on coyotes. So he's like, you go catch the money. I'll go catch the coyotes for the landowner. Mm -hmm. We're splitting the money so it doesn't yeah. make any difference. Yeah. And a lot of times that's hard to have with a partner. Yeah. Because, you know, like if you're... If you're coming in and you got 10 otter at $200 a piece, that's a hell of a day. He's called a coyote for live market mm -hmm. and to make the landowner happy. You know, you can, there can be some, yeah. but if you've got the right guy, yeah. it's just, it's just a business plan. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some ranchers will pay bounty, some won't. Some will pay you by the day, some will pay you by the month. They're all different. And the, the people on the ranch, the workers and stuff, some of them are excellent, and there's a few don't want you on there, and they let you know. But you just deal with it and go on. Mm -hmm. We don't let them get the best of us. How do you handle, how are y'all handling the fur part down there? The fur? Yeah. Well, we put it up with Daryl flushes and stretchers, and we put it on dry, when it's dried. Is I he do, doing all the meat too? And he does it well. If there's a bunch of them, he's got eight, ten. Yeah, he's going to do the skinning and flushing. I'll take care of the meat. I'll bone it out. Okay. I'll bone it out and put the buckets and stuff. And we save the heads. You know, I'll get them and vacuum seal them. I'll just get them, put them in the cooler till we get a few. And then I'll vacuum seal them and put them in the freezer. And you have a market for those? Yeah, we have a market for them. 
Well, see, the thing that I'm always amazed, guys don't realize how much they're leaving on the table for lure makers and bait. Yeah, we take all the glands out of bobcats and the coyotes, and we take uh, badger glands too. We, we take all the skunk essence and skunk bags. We've got 36 skunks off of one ranch. The other two never had a one. Speaking, do you, I always thought those skunks were smelled worse down there than they do other places. Stronger. It seemed like the they skunk were. Skunk essence, yeah. It's, it seemed stronger for yeah. some reason. Yeah, I believe that too. They are a little stronger. But Daryl knows how to take that skunk bag out and he's never busted one. He, he sucks all that essence out and we put, I got four ounce bottles, I put it in. And there's a market for that. Mm -hmm. We had uh, 22 ounces and we had 36 skunks. $20 an ounce. God took it all. Tickled death to get it. Mm -hmm. Did we uh, sell the badger glands, the coyote glands? We got markets for bobcat glands. We can't get enough bobcat and coyote glands to sell. Everybody wants them. Fur prices, uh, the bobcats, we averaged $40 out of them this year. So when you put all that extra meat and glands and stuff, and if the ranch will pay you a little bit of something, that makes it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. you know, some ranchers, they won't give you nothing the next one. You can't do enough for you. Mm -hmm. now you're saying one of the ranches seems like they're going out of the way to make sure yeah. that you're always coming back. They give us the gas for the four-wheeler where we're trapping on. We get all, all we want. There's no, never been a hassle. And like when, what we used to do was we'd keep all the fur, get it tagged on the way out, sell it. But you're actually shipping it as you catch it. Yeah, when I get uh, 30 and we get them dried and I got the, the tags put on them, I carry my own cardboard boxes down there. And when I got 30, we box them up. I got an address and I call that guy if he's interested and that's where they go. 30 at a time, we got two boxes at the time I get my tags. This year we had two boxes ready to go. And as soon as I got them tagged, we shipped two boxes at once. Well, it just takes a lot of extra effort of moving stuff around. Yeah. But while Daryl's doing one thing, he's up there. I'm getting them boxes ready. I'm tagging the coyotes. I got them in my, hanging them up. I got them tagged. And when I get my box done, I just box them up. And Daryl helps me put the uh, tape on the top lids. So I hold it and he, he'll tape it up. Put the address on it. The UPS man picks it up and away it goes. Were you there the year that Scott and Mark Kohler can talk me into keeping 100 coyotes? Were you there that year? They were there that year to, at, at the school, the first school I went to. I don't know whether they were there before that or not. But you guys saved coyotes. I do remember that. Yeah, have you all done that since then? No. Well, Daryl saved a few. He saved some. This is the better looking ones? Yeah, he picked out the good ones. When you go on, he seen one. Yeah, we, the year, that year coyotes were high. And Mark was like, once you're down there, when you first get down there, you look at one of those couches, you're like, good God, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in yeah. my life. After like three weeks, one's a little bit better, so oh, it's yeah. not as ugly as the other ugly one. And you go, well, that can be worth some money. Yeah. And they convinced me to, so we did, and we had ticks and fleas all over us like you ain't never seen, putting up 100 couches down there. Yeah. And I think by the time the tumbling and, this, and everything was done, we made 35 cents a piece. Uh -huh. 
I think we, we got probably five or six that Daryl picked out, and they're at Fur Harvester. I don't know if they're overselling them or not. I think it would be, I think you'd be surprised on your better ones if y'all were to tan them. Mm -hmm. Because someone that's buying a tan coat, they don't care if it's a Texas or Tennessee mm -hmm. or Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. It's just a coat. You probably get $80 for it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Because it only, you know, if you send in so many, it's cost you what, $15, $18 to get them tanned? Yeah. And I mean, a trapper would know the difference, mm -hmm. but most people that buy that ain't trappers anyway. Yeah. So, what have you learned as far as dealing with the ranches? Well, they're hard to get on, I know that, but as far as. You just talk to them and stuff, and, and whatever they got problems, you just try to help them. Like that uh, manager where we're at now, he, they complained about the coon tearing up the, the solar panels on the feeders for the deer. They just get up there and tear them up, plus they're wasting all that. It cost him a couple hundred dollars just to get up there and fix it, plus they got to pay that ranch handy his wages. Mm -hmm. So they're pushing to get rid of the coon. So we're going to work on it. We started working on this year, but we're going to work on it more next year if things work out. So you're not going to use footholds or DPs? Probably use both. I'm not a DP man, but I use footholds. I figure I got more of a chance. I got a coyote or a cat or, mm -hmm. or a coon. Because we catch a lot of coons in footholds mm -hmm. just for coyote sets. And so they, is your plan just like drop a set or two in around the feeders? Well, Daryl will take care of that. I'm going to set, uh, they say there's coon comings and just in rows. And they said you can just sit there and shoot them. Well, I'm going to do some coon calling. Okay. I'm going to try that. And uh, we'll go out there at nighttime and look around and see if we can find these where they uh, hang out at. Because they say at nighttime you can go out there and see them. So. Well, I, I don't know if you want to spend the money. Um, I can I can show you what it looks like with the cats. You get a thermal scope, mm -hmm. and you get around with them feeders and do a 360. Mm -hmm. The coon can't hide from you. Mm -hmm. It's much different than using the light. Mm -hmm. And you got a reticle on there that you can actually zero into individual guns. Like one, you could zero it for a shotgun, or you could zero it for a rifle mm -hmm. mounted on both, and they're both going to be zeroed. But out to 300 yards, if there's a coon or a javelina or a hog or a coyote or whatever it is, it's it's like they're just lit up with a billboard. Mm -hmm. But they do cost three, four grand. Wow. So, I mean, it depends if that's worth, you know, what y'all are going to mm -hmm. be doing or not. There's many coon they got down there. It probably wouldn't take a couple of years to pay for it. Mm-mm. Yeah. You just be losing a lot of sleep. Yeah. But it's something to think about. Yeah. It's much better than night vision mm -hmm. on picking out small animals like yeah. that. Of course, down there, there's no telling what you'd see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ranchers, we we do our best to get along. You know, if they we know that the roads are bad, we don't even try to go out because I know you're just gonna get in trouble with the ranchers. So. We don't do anything we know is going to cause problems. Well, that, that's the big thing is, uh, 
I had a guy that used to work for me that wanted to start going to do some ranches and he wanted a dog, like a, a Dorn dog from Craig, which is mm -hmm. awesome. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to work in Texas because if they see a dog, they shoot the dog. Right. Because you're, you know, if it chases a, a genetically enhanced, you know, seven generation breeded deer mm -hmm. that's worth a two hundred thousand, they see a dog chase it and it kills itself in the fence. Mm -hmm. They just don't play no games. And I remember him going, "Well, if they want me, they'll let my dog on there." And I'm like thinking, "They don't want you. They don't want you. <laughs> I don't care how good you think you are." It, that ain't gonna work. Yeah. Deer's king down there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some ranchers are really serious about getting rid of the, the coyotes and the cats and stuff, and the coons. Well, I think one of the things people need to learn is to be honest with them. Yes. And don't, don't you know, because I've had some, some people that I've talked to that, you know, they, they get on social media and they go, I'm looking for a coyote trapper. And all of a sudden in 24 hours, there's, 65 trappers all over the country and they all catch a thousand to two thousand mm -hmm. counts a year and they know they're full of crap yeah and the people that are frightened it's know they're full of crap so they don't trust anybody mm -hmm. and like one thing i've learned with the ranches down there is if you treat them fair and honest and something comes up you can deal with it much better because they know you're not trying to get over on them. right yeah when so, we first went down there on one, one ranch, uh, there was the manager and assistant manager. One of them would go on vacation, and he'd come back to the other guy. They did that the first two years with us. When all the hunting's gone, the people's gone, we're there, they could care less. They don't have to watch you anymore. No, they don't babysit us. And there's enough ranch hands going around, and there's a, they see what we catch, and we bring it in. I think Norm got on a ranch. I think that's the one Jeff went to. And they were like paranoid to the nth degree. Yeah. They wanted to know how many traps you had. They wanted marked on a map. They wanted to know if you left the ranch to go get gas, how long you were gone, how long did you eat lunch. I mean, they just didn't trust anything. Yeah. And, and, and they, if you didn't, if anything was off, they'd throw a fit. Yeah. We don't have a... No, I've never had that either. But I've had a few times where I needed to talk to the owner that can make a decision and mm -hmm. everybody on the ranch is afraid of the owner. Yeah. And and I learned you just have to talk to them. Mm -hmm. and, and they're not as scary as people think. For one, what are they going to do, eat you? Mm -hmm. As far as ranch hands on the ranch, we've only had one place we had a couple guys they absolutely didn't want us there mm -hmm. but all the other employees ranch hands they're nice get along if you need something tell them well, they don't want to work as hard as you are badger makes him big holes and i had a, caught him in a snare he, he made a mess looked like a landmine went off i told, told him i said i need a shovel i got a badger hole out there and i'll fill it in if i have a shovel I said, you got one? He said, yeah. I said, well, put it by that ice machine, and I'll get it in the morning. When I'm done with it, I'll put it back. But anytime I need something, if I've seen a hole in the fence where somebody cut it, I'll tell them in. Next day, it's patched. Mm -hmm. I didn't go tell him, go hunt the manager down, get him out of a meeting or whatever. Or I just told him he had it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's something that guys need to pay attention to. If you, because what you're talking about most of the time is, 
an illegal gets a car, run through the fence. Yep. Well, they got all that deer in there that can walk out all of yep. a sudden, and they don't know about it. Yeah. So if you help them, and they and they realize you're an asset instead of just yeah, you know, they want you there. Sure. Yeah, I found a place where they run two. Some of them's got two fences. They run through both of them. Went over and was going through the hit the pin, but they, for some reason they didn't make it. They ran around, and I called the guy that was in charge of the deer pen, and I told him, "Here comes the manager down." And he looked, and they went back and got water. While I got it, I'm over in the pen looking. The next day, they, there's people come through there. I call him again, <laughs> and here they come. They come looking. Went back and got what they wanted. I said, them ranch hens are probably glad when I leave, huh? <laughs> but they, that fence needs fixed. Mm -hmm. And they know, if, if they find it, then they know I'd run that fence and I didn't say nothing. Because they know I had to see it. And I told them, I told them where it was. Are you still using uh, the threes and four long springs? No, I haven't used them. No. What are you using now? I use... Uh, I got some Bridgers, the old style, and I got the, the Douglas Bridgers. I got a lot of old Douglas Montgomerys. I use. I got some Victors. Uh, Victors are all just number threes. Mm -hmm. The old ones. I got the new ones too. You do? I got them off Charlie. Okay. Guy from Montana, trapped with. I got a bunch of his stuff. But mainly when it's down there in Texas, it's fence for me. If I set. 50 traps on a ranch down That's lucky, I'm doing lucky. But I just hammer the fence. It, running the fence takes a long time. Mm-hmm. 77 miles or yeah. 100 miles. Time you get to one end, you gotta go back. Some some fences you can go clear around, some you can. Like we got that river on that one, you can go far away and you gotta go on a bridge, you go across, go back, back along the creek, and pick up where you left off. What that is too. Yeah. Should have built that high bridge over next to the fence. <laughs> That's true. You know, you also tramp in Montana. Yeah. So you went out there in October this year? It's September. I got September. First uh, of September, I start trapping October the 16th. And then you'll go till the snow moves you out? Yeah, till snow. I get to get out of it because I don't get snowed in. So when you're, where you're at in Montana trapping, because I'm not sure exactly where that is. Is it like sage country or is it more sage grass? Brush. Sage brush. Sage brush. Kind of like Broadus is. Yeah. So what are you keying on? Because you're coyote trapping out there. Mm -hmm. What are you keying on for your locations for the coyotes in that big open area? Well, the, the two tracks, you go out through there and you don't see a lot of sign right now. You might see where they're dropping here and there. There might be a few places you see tracks. But I guarantee you one thing, when the snow hits, them coyotes are running both ends, both sides of that lane, and they're going both ways. And they ain't just one or two. There's lots. Of so I set lots of traps along that road, and I play the wind. I want the wind coming across, and I'm using trailing scent on it. It's just something I've been playing with. I make my own. It's nothing fancy. It's, my wife gets a bunch of that cooking oil with fish fries they had for Easter. They just, they want to throw it away. Nobody wants it. I'll take take it. And I just in summer with early I go. It it I mix stuff with. It, I might get basil you put in. 
I might have some lure I just dump in it. Mm-hmm. Just anything. Anything. Yeah. I don't. Ha- I haven't found anything special so far. And I put it on there, and I put it on heavy. I put salt in that stuff too. And when I set my traps, sometimes I put traps on both sides, and I'll put a trail across both of them. But I just don't put a little draw. I blade it on heavy because I got lots of them. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. It's cheap yeah, for me. And then I, I use that, and I know that helps because I catch lots of coyotes along them roads. And when it, when it comes winter and it's freezing and stuff, I got something else I use. And what that is, some buckets of baits and stuff I've had set out. And it's been there for years. The lead is cracked and the snow's melting, the water's on there. You know, I take that bucket, I have to go out there and look when the spring one's warming up and see them flies flying around. I open that up and it's full of water. That I go get me a, a jug or whatever I'm gonna put in. I usually get a gallon jug. I get my funnel and I got a sifter. I get something to dip that water out the top and I strain it and put it down in a jug. And I put the glycerin in it. And that's my trailing set because whatever was in that bucket, it's in that you don't care what was in the bucket? I don't know. Labels are going. They've been there for years. Oh, is this stuff Charlie had already? No, this is stuff I had. Oh. Whenever I was tra- uh, going to your schools and stuff, you talked about scent and mixing uh, lure and bait together. Mm-hmm. Pick out four ounces of your favorite bait or lure and put it in a quart of bait or something. Well, I used that stuff. And I, there I put glycerin in it, so when it's cold, I still got a trembling set. Sometimes put a little drop of smoke in it, or sometimes put a little skunk essence in it. Just whatever you feel like. Yeah, but uh, I take three or four gallons of it, and I just don't drip it across the trip. I put it on heavy. So do you ever snare in Montana? No. Is it because of cattle or deer? I'm there before the, by the cattle, and uh, you don't snare until it starts freezing up. Most of them don't. The guys I talk to out there, the, they don't snare till the snow comes. What, what's the purpose of that? Why, why do they wait? So that the animals froze. Like when I'm out there, sometimes it's warm, and if he's dead, he's gonna spoil him before you can get back to him. You're allowed 48 hour check. Oh, okay, okay, I'll follow you. Yeah. But I just never fooled with him. Charlie did, when I was out there with Charlie's son, we'd snare. But it'd be late, there'd be snow on. Into this basically the cattle, the old cattle trails? Yeah, and uh, another favorite place of mine is these water holes. I don't pass up a water hole. I usually set two traps at the water holes. T-bones are my number one choice for holders. How do you set that up? Uh, well, I find out with T-bones I can, and when I'm looking around, if I find a carcass, I take all the T-bones, and like along the road, I might just drive one of them, and instead of using a pipe or something, I'll just drive that to, T-bone in, put my baiter lure in, set my trap out in front of it. And I use wax dirt out there. I use it right off the beginning, because you'll get a snow and you'll get caught with your pants down. So if you're just using dirt and stuff, and you can have Have you ever tried just using all that coal shell out there? Have you ever tried no, there's that? There's not around where I'm at. Oh, it's not? No. So are you farther north than Broadus, or? I'm 12 miles off the Canadian border. Oh. Yeah. Holy cow. And most of that's nothing but wheat fields and cattle. There's a few hay fields, but most of it is wheat and cattle. I set the wheat fields along the edge. That's it. I've got a lot of coyotes off of just the edge. And same thing. 
most of my sets will be T-bones. My next choice is reportable pockets. I change that up. I use PVC pipe, uh, inch and a half, two inch. Mm -hmm. I just drive a long, cut them six inches long, and I just drive it at an angle. I usually drive a spike nail, eight, ten inches long. I drive it to the ground, and I like to put the front end, kind of focus up, a little, point up a little bit, and set the trap out in front of it. Because you really don't have to worry about a lot of rain out there, do you? No. So I so. worry more about snow than the rain. I got snowed into it five times. I got out, or five times, I had to dig myself out of the snow drift. Yeah, Chip, Chip kind of does what you're talking about. He's got all metal ones, but they're they're a lot smaller, mm -hmm. and they're like on a nail. He sells them, mm -hmm. and he just drives that thing in the ground and packs it full of lure and bait and yeah. blends a trap in front of it and goes the next one. I went to that because I'm not a welder, and that's just more weight i got to carry. Mm -hmm. So I just... Works. I don't try to anchor my trap with it. I just set it out there in front of them and go. And so, what's on the edge of the wheat field? Is that where the sage starts? Yeah. So it's not like high plains. No. So the wheat. So it's it's either agriculture or sage. Sage, right. So that edge is probably pretty good. Yeah, a lot of coyotes come off that, and I learned that off the chart. That was one of his favorite places. Yeah, I didn't know you were that far north. Yeah. There's good coyotes there, I know that. And my next set is Mark uh, Zagger's Pipe Dream. Mm -hmm. I use him. The only thing is out there, the wind blows, you can't just put the grass over it. So I just put, I use wax sand over it. I make my own. I just put a little wax sand over it. Put the, uh, the pipe out there, put the lure in it, pull my way. So is the, the ground pretty sandy? Yeah. I don't have no trouble driving there, thank you. Mm. And I use the birch shires, and that's all I use for earth anchors out there. And the thing is, they're probably 12, 14 inches long. I drive them in the ground. Whenever I pull my trap, I take the J hook off, or I'll just cut the J hook. I'm going to use that next year. Because it doesn't rust. And it don't rust. About to, and I've seen five, them, five of them J hooks cut off from J, uh, cables before Charlie cut them off. And I told Charlie, I was trapping there, and he said, Sets over there. If you don't like it, put it where you want it. It's your set. I said, Well, this one's got five J hooks. I can't. He said, Well, put it on there. Don't buy her name. It's your set. You can do whatever you want to. Now, Charlie is a guy you used to go trapping with out yeah, since I passed away. I started there in 2008 trapping with him. He's from back east. How did you meet him originally? Well, I was into racing Silver Fox. And okay. He, he wanted to get into it. He was full around Uniontown, and I'm there next to Blacksville, line, uh, West Virginia line. I don't know how he found out, but he come over and he wanted to see what I had. He wanted to buy something. I was telling him, I said, you're too late. I said, I'm about half done, pal. He said, I want to see what you got. I said, well, I'll tell you right now, the ones I think's good, the good females, I'll keep them. He said, well, I just want some scrubs. I want something to start working. So I took him over to him and sold him three pair that wasn't related. And of course, when he come in where I was putting them up at the garage, he seen all them red fox and grays and coon I had. And he, me and him just hit it off. Next thing I know, he's bringing pictures and telling me uh, about being out, in, out west, traveling from the Canadian border to the south border. So weather got bad, he smoothed down. He hooked up with a lot of those federal trappers. He stayed out there after trapping season. 
He can hunt them. Hmm. He was hooked up with them. He riding around, and he learned a lot of stuff off of them. And he just used to go with one. He went with a circle. A little story. We're out there trapping, and he we call it competitive. Both of us riding in the same truck. He set the trap one side. I said, "Well, he uses sheep bone, and puts a little bait lure on it." I'm over here, I got a T-bone. He comes back and checking. Swift fox don't touch his wool. He ain't got nothing to hold on. I got the coyote over here on my T-bone. I bet that drove him crazy, didn't Oh, it? yeah. But what really drove him crazy was he gave me a notebook, and I'm keeping track of what we're catching, the bait and lures and stuff we use on him. We catch a coyote by the back foot or the front foot or whatever. I'd already break that down. I went out there. I got... Uh, Eight coyotes, and he's got 13. And over the next few days, I killed my 18th coyote. He's still sitting there with 13. He's got badgers, he's got skunks, got a few red fox. When I killed that 18th one, I got in the truck. And he's always got a story to tell. He never, he's always got something. We're going out through the field. We went a good ways, and he ain't sitting out there. What's wrong with him? This ain't like him. So I ain't talking to you the rest of the day. I said, why is that? He said, you won't let me catch no cops. I said, oh, you noticed? He said, damn right I noticed. And I said, so what are you going to do? Because all the traps and stuff, his tools and everything. I said, what are you going to do? Take your traps and go home? He said, yes. And when I get home, he said, it's Sally, his wife said, she's going to wash your clothes and pack them up because your ass is going home too. Oh, he took it real personal. Well, I mean, and when he's talked, he don't, I mean, he, he talks easy, but he said like a, like he meant it. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, he's up there a little bit. He ain't saying nothing. I said, you know, Charlie, I said, I remember hearing stories about a pup from back east coming out here running with all these old wolves and stuff. And I said, I see pictures and heard all the stories. I said, I said, she was on her foot now. I said, you the old wolf, you got a pup on your tail you can't shake. He, just, I, he never said another word. I looked over, I just turned my head enough. Because he was much older than you. Oh, yeah. And he's just a grinning from here to here. But I learned a lot of him. We had, up to the last day, the last check, we was 25 apiece. And when we got done, he had 27. <laughs> I never did beat him. Well, I mean, you, you told me before, and I, I can visualize this in my head, when he would see a coyote, in the truck running, mm-hmm. he wouldn't slow down. He would hit the gas and just go that oh, direction. Yeah. Dog hanging off the roof or something. Yeah, he had a Airedale, and she would ride up on top of the cab. I actually looked at all four of her feet, see, because I thought she had suction cups on. There, there ain't no way you stand up. Once in a while, your back feet come down over the side glass or right <laughs> up the windshield, but she never fell off while I was there. Yeah. And. She, if he slowed up enough, that dog get off, the race was on. The coyotes, the dogs after the coyote, and the trucks after the coyote. And then it didn't matter. You might as well quit, quit trying to keep stuff on the dash and stuff. You may get a hold and hang on, because you're in for a ride. I seen we went up on a rock, he's watching the coyote and the dog, because he don't want to get them out of sight, but he's afraid to be coyotes out there killing that dog. Mm-hmm. He's watching, he ain't paying attention where he's going. I said, Charlie, there's a big rock right in front of you. And next thing I know, his side's up in the air, mine's down. And if we go, we're going to roll down the hill. And, but it stopped. 
when he's up to the four-wheel drive. It built that front drive shaft. So we didn't ride four-wheel drive all the time. When we needed, we put it in there. It cost him $200 for fixing it. But that didn't slow him down. I like killing coyotes, but I've never thought about just driving, driving off in a field trying to chase one of them. Oh, out there. Them ranch hands carry rifles in them side to sides. I, I built with a guy, I'll never ride with him again. Because he's like Charlie, I mean, he's in a side to side, and that's much worse. Well, the guy that I went uh, elk hunting with two years ago, and it, it tickles me with all this crap going on politically now. Yeah. You know, they're going to come take the guns. Have they never seen Western people shoot coyotes? Probably not. It is terrifying. The accuracy and the speed that those Western guys, because mm -hmm. they grow up doing it. Yeah. Like Eastern guys think they can do it. You need to go watch yeah. Western guys do this. They can grab like a two, uh, 22, 250 or whatever it is. And with, it's within a second they're, it's it's like locked in the, the vehicle. Yeah. Within a second, there's a coyote down at 350 yards that's running full speed. Yep. Just as, I mean, the military ain't got nothing on them boys. Mm -hmm. No. A lot of them is just lever action or bolt action rifles. Some mm -hmm. of them ain't them AR-15s. Mm -mm. mm -hmm. No, his was bolt action, but just the speed of him jerking, seeing a coyote, yeah. slamming the brakes. It's not even all the way stopped yet. Doors open, guns coming out. And when all this has happened within like literally a second or a second and a half, mm -hmm. 350 yards away, there's a coyote running full speed and it's rolling. Mm -hmm. Just like, that's like special forces shooting. Yeah. What's worse with them side shots, go down the windshield, they just pull it down, blow it out. Gun goes right here behind him. <laughs> He may stop and he may not. He may shoot while we're still moving. It's something else. So which do you enjoy more, Wyoming or Texas? Texas. Just because of the amount of fur? The amount of fur. I love that thing. Them corner bears in there. Cats and coyotes. I bet the first day you said you can't hardly sleep. Mm -mm. I can't wait. <laughs> I really don't want to stop setting. I just like set the whole fence all night long. Now, wouldn't that be an awesome first check? Yeah. That'd be a heck of a picture. <laughs> 16, Daryl and I, 16 cards one day is the best we've done. Footholds and snares. I think the most me and Scott did at Lamondaire, we had one day of, I think it was 18. We had, I think, 12 cats that day. And it was like within the first, you know, once you get everything set yeah. that first couple of days. Yeah. I mean, the people on the ranch down there were just, because the, the, when we showed up, there was a guy that was a ranch hand that they were paying to, to trap and snare. Mm -hmm. And he caught like six coyotes over six months and one bobcat or something like that and a couple of coon. He was a super nice guy. Yeah. He just didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. And um, when we rolled in with that and we opened that cooler, they just couldn't believe it. Because mm -hmm. that was the, we were there, I think, four days, and they'd automatically just went up where the bone pit is and dug another trench because they just figured they'd need it. 
<laughs> it's good times, there ain't no doubt. Certainly a venture. So how, how many more years you got in you, Albert? Oh, 20, I hope. 20? I hope. You still get around pretty good. Yeah. I got pneumonia, but I'm getting over it, so. And coyotes and cats are still going to catch hell. <laughs> well, any last words of wisdom? No. Good luck. All right. Well, in with that. Good luck. Okay. <laughs>